somebody secrets about what so-and-so's been saying about him. Check out the latest celebrity gossip. Play some politics with the boss. Get the latest scoop at work. Tell my buddy secrets. Celebrity gossip. Politics with the boss. Rumors. Secrets. Gossip. Politics. Rumors. Secrets. Gossip. Politics. morning we're wrapping up our series can't touch this and we're going to be talking about gossip say what i know i have all been in those situations where someone comes up to us and starts to tell us a story and we're caught off guard we can't believe it or we do believe it or what do we do with that and you know it's just it's just it's just crazy out there and it seems to be something that just gets more and more with our society Yet at the same time, nothing can be so destructive as gossip. For the person being gossiped about, uh, for those around the person, uh, for the person doing the gossiping, it is destructive. And for a local church, it can gut a local church. It can destroy. Sometimes when... uh, People talk about the positive things that are happening here at Seneca's community, uh, you know, and just on and on. I said the only concern I have is that we internally don't mess things up. It's not outside these four walls that I'm really worried about. It's us and how we interact with each other. And uh, gossip can be a part of that. And it can br- spread so quickly. Next slide, please. What do you mean it's not working out, Craig? I mean, I just introduced you to my parents. Craig and Sheila broke up. What? Really? Craig and Sheila broke up? No. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Craig and Sheila broke up. Craig and Sheila. As long as office gossip travels fast. Craig and Sheila broke up. What? Craig and Sheila stories. And what are Seneca Community Church's Craig and Sheila stories? Now, there's at least seven that I know about right now that's going on even in our midst. And uh, let me share them with you. No, I'm not going to share them with you. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. But uh, it could be seven, could be three, could be 20. Whatever it is, they just happen. And if you and I don't put a guard on our hearts, our guard on our words, we're going to find that sometimes unintentionally we fuel the fire. Uh, sometimes we do it intentionally. Uh, sometimes just we like a good story. We like to hear what's going on. And uh, it, it, it can get brutal there. And so we just need to be very, very aware of it. And as we look at this, uh, look at our matrix, next slide, the option matrix, we see that uh, you have one of these cards, uh, it's online, I think there's some more guest services, we had them in the, the program, and you can see here that uh, there's these four, five areas that we walk through. There is nothing in life, and that's not an overambitious statement, but there's nothing in life that you and I cannot walk through this grid, this biblical grid. We look at the five C's. Is it a commandment? No wiggle room. Is it a conviction? Pretty close to no wiggle room. 
Matters of conscience is where we can get hung up, and sometimes that can be the fodder for, for gossip because there's different opinions, and that's okay. And you can feel strongly about those different opinions. You can live that way personally, but you don't superimpose them on somebody else. And then there's the areas that are just choices or, or conjecture where you just try to use a, a thinking process to see if something is right or wrong for you. And then just choices, like I said, you know, what kind of ice cream and those kinds of things. And we need to always remember that uh, when we're looking at this, we go to the Bible. Next slide. And then go with the Bible. Next slide. And um, that is so key. And you have to be a student of the Bible. We have to be a student of the Bible. Not everything is easy hanging fruit. Not impossible, but it's there. And you and I can walk through, and at the least, we can gain principles for healthy living that can apply to any situation with a little bit of work and a little bit of effort. Now, on uh, last October, we began this series. We've done it, cut it into three segments, so we haven't been doing this since October, if you're new today. But uh, since October, we've been doing this. Next slide. And you can see that uh, we have a, a link if you want to really get the know-how on how to work through this matrix. We talk about it uh, there. And then we see in 1 Corinthians, this is kind of our verse uh, next, uh, this idea that uh, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. And that idea of constructive is not everything causes the spiritual advancement of others. And boy, isn't that a heavy responsibility to put on us? Do our actions, taken or not taken, that is an action when you don't take an action, do they advance someone else's spiritual life? Do they have a positive impact in their life? So when you and I look at what's constructive, we're trying to look through those eyes. Beneficial is just us, but constructive is others. And again, this idea of gossip just spreads and becomes deconstructive. And people like to get into it, and sometimes people like to have fun with it. Next slide. Mean theory suggests that items of gossip are like living things that seek to reproduce, using humans as their host. I'm no stranger to mimetic epidemiology. At Johnson Elementary School, the phrase Shelly Cooper's a smelly pooper spread like wild. I should think so. That's gold. <laughs> Your meme hypothesis does intrigue me. How might we examine this more closely? Do you have any ethical qualms regarding human experimentation? It's one of the few forms of interaction with people that I don't find repellent. We need to fabricate a tantalizing piece of gossip. And a second non-tantalizing piece to use as a control. Then we'll track its progress through our social group and interpret the results through the competing academic prisms of mimetic theory, algebraic gossip, and epidemiology. Look at you, getting me to engage in the social sciences. You ever done that? You ever thrown a little story out there to see how much uh, energy it gets? To see if human beings are just hosts for the contagion, if you will? I remember in high school, it used to happen all the time. If there was threat for a snowstorm, 
You could start it in the morning. I heard it's supposed to snow today or tomorrow. And you could fuel it. And by the end of the day, because no one had access back then to anything outside news sources. No one had smartphones. And by the end of the day, you could work it up to the fact that we were getting 12 inches of snow and they probably were going to cancel. And there was nothing going on. And I mean, I, could, I remember one time doing it and I heard it from other people. Hey, Dave, do you know we're going to snow some tomorrow? And people get like 10 to 12 inches. It just, it just fueled. It went everywhere. And it just grew because everybody, you know, two inches was a story, but two inches isn't a good story, so you got to add a little bit more. And like I said, it got up to 10 to 12 inches. Again, this idea of say what, this idea of gossip uh, is one of these things that sometimes we just don't touch because sometimes it's just too close to home and we need to think about it. Um, in uh, Ephesians, verse 29, it says, Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Being relatively new to the area, eight years ago, nine years ago, we've lived here now ten, I was out on a bike ride, into about my 12th mile, and all of a sudden, my lungs started burning. I, I, I almost couldn't breathe. I, I felt like there's some kind of like poisoning happening in, in the area. And I soon discovered, as I looked over to the right, it was some well-meaning farmer spreading not normal manure, but I think it was like hog manure. And I, I, I tell you, I mean, it was burning. I was coughing. I was like, I was winded because I was riding hard. I was going up this little little hill over on 96A. And uh, I, I was just like, I was flabbergasted. I, I was worried that my health, it just, it just got in me. I was breathing it in. And, and the, really, the rest of the day, even when I got past it, I could still smell it. It was just dirty and foul. And those are the images that Paul is using for gossip. It's dirty and foul. Uh, the idea of spoiled fish, rotten food. And, you, you know, you just don't smell it. You ingest it. And it causes you to cough and all those kinds of things. So this idea of anything dirty coming out of your mouth. So we really have to watch our words. And what's a tough responsibility, I mean, it's not easy, is, is our words to different people have a different impact. And so even when we're sometimes totally unaware, we, our words can actually be, be coughing someone, can, can smell foul. Now, that doesn't mean we never say anything, but we just need to be aware of who is around us. And what we say and what we say about them and we say them, say them to them and, uh, and, and how that affects. Uh, I was one of those kids, I've said this before, in, in elementary school and also in high school that went to the resource room for help with reading. I had dyslexia. And uh, it, it, I, even just even this last week, I, I could identify, I was jumbling the word, the letters of a word up and I knew it wasn't right, so I corrected it. But I could actually see the letters mixed up, and then I looked at it again, and they were clear. I had to train myself over the years to do that. But going there and hearing stupid, needy, all those kinds of things, uh, you know, was hard. 
you know, and then having a dad that speaks a number of languages, in a sense, made it hard because I, I didn't get any of that. I barely speak English. You've been here when I can't pronounce a word. I'm like stuck. I'm like, ha ha. I go, what that word is? And a lot of times you folks are able to help me out with that. But again, silliness, sarcasm, it sticks. And again, that's not to make you feel like you can never say anything. But we need to be aware of our words. Paul says, say only what helps. Each word a gift. Wow, would that change how we spoke to other people? If our words were a gift to somebody else. Now, sometimes the gift comes in the form of a challenge. We don't use the word too often, but a rebuke and admonishment. It sometimes comes in that form. But even those can be a gift. When Cindy thinks I'm about to hit something in the car and screams, do you see that? And I did see it, and I wasn't going to hit it. Then afterwards, she's like apologizing because she startled me. I'm like, no, 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 no. Always say something if you think I'm going to hit something. The startle is worth it because hopefully the day that I'm not paying attention and I'm about to hit something, you save a dent on the car. And that's very important to me as a lady. <laughs> so please keep saying those things. You don't need to tell me I'm going too fast, but when it comes to hitting something, you need to say something. Words can be a gift. Not platitudes, not mindless flattery, but they can be a gift. They can encourage someone to take that next step. And also words can be completely the opposite. Again, it's, it's the person's, ultimately it's our responsibility, but sometimes you and I can be held captive by an ill-spoken word that crushes us. So look, think about your words. Another translation says it this way, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Benefit those who listen. In your family, those closest to you, your spouse, your parents, your neighbors, People at work, uh, the, the, the people in the grocery store, when you're just blasting through the big M and you're just spouting things off and you don't realize that there's somebody in the aisle that has an issue and you don't know that your words are crushing that person. Is it, are they beneficial to the people around you? Side bonus, and this, uh, you know, I, I don't get overly concerned about this, but even the words we use, are they polite? Are they coarse? Here comes a word I have trouble saying. Are they vulgar? Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> what are your words like? Uh, does it just show that you're just not polite and caring and uh, aware? Again, I don't think Jesus is like, I've, I've told this before, I'd rather have a, actually just this verbally, I'd rather have a, a church full of uh, swearing, smoking, whatever, than a church of gossipers. Because the two first things I mentioned have some ramifications, but gossiping, again, can gut the life of a community. 
so again is are those around you benefited by them i like what john maxwell says he says people may hear your words but they feel your attitude so sometimes it's the tone it, it doesn't really even matter what the words are i've told you countless times uh, the story about telling my sister I loved her when I was irritated with her, and it would just push all her buttons for me to sarcastically say, I love you, Becky. You're the best sister on the planet. And then she'd scream to my mother, tell David to stop it. What's he doing? He said he loves me. Yeah, I just great. <laughs> Worked. Got nailed twice. All right. But our attitude, the tones, the way we say things, are we even engaged with our words? Does it seem like we're engaged when we're saying things? I love you. Is that just a, a slogan? Is that, is that, does that have any meaning with it? What do our words say? I used to teach a speech class back in South Portland, a small little Bible college, a communications class, and I used to always like to show this next video. Same word means a multiple of different things. By the way, never enter my car with an uncovered head. Because you'll hear more than dude. Anyway, but, uh, but the idea that, our, that the inflections of our voice send messages. So it's just not our words. This might be the hardest part of as we get into this and unpack this is verse 30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. When our words are off, when they're gossipy, and we'll define that in a few moments, it grieves God. It bothers God. It makes God sad. It, 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 it causes his heart to ache when he hears words misused, misplaced, because he knows the effect of those words. Don't make the gods, don't make God sad. You read on, it said, it is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. The idea of God joining your life. If you're a Christ follower, you have the spirit of God in you, joined with you. You haven't become God. You haven't gotten to some higher spiritual plane. We talked a little bit about that last week. But God dwells you. He's with you. He's got a front row seat to all your words. He even sees the words forming in your mind before they come out. Or not forming, they just come out. You can imagine he's just in there going, oh, no, here it comes. Please don't, 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 don't. He might even send a little gut, ooh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Nah, I'm saying it, out it comes. Don't take the spirit for granted in your life. It's a gift to have God governing your words. Lean in. 
open up more so that you avoid misusing your words. Because other hearts are as sensitive to the way you use your words. And your heart is, because the more you say something over and over again, the more it kind of becomes a part of who you are. Happens with language, right? You say the same expression. I'm, I'm, now everyone's going to be mindful of this, but I'm mindful when I use the same twist of words when I'm speaking. All of a sudden I see, keep saying that, saying that, saying that. Now I'm going to say it like, too often I say, yeah, we need to navigate through this problem. I say, navigate, navigate, navigate. I'm, now someone's going to be going, why is this so hard to read? Blah, blah, blah. Don't focus on that. But I, I, you know, what words you use, they kind of like get, get stuck in your heart. So mixing it up a little bit. But the bad words the same way, the good comments the same way. So, so don't distance yourself from God speaking into your life by ignoring him and using words that uh, crush people. Another translation when talking about the dynamic between the Holy Spirit and our life says, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. It's like the idea that God put his, his imprint on your heart. So the day everything's set right, the dead in Christ raised, we go to be with God. The, the indicator, the pass, the, the stamp is the Holy Spirit on our life. Oh, yes, this person, they're one of my children because they've got the Holy Spirit. So embrace that. Celebrate his being in your life. Don't kind of put him at arm's length. A couple weeks ago, we talked about tattoos, you know, and covering your, you know, don't, don't cover that mark up. You're identified by that. Celebrate that. Moving on, we see make a clean break from all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Change. Sometimes it's hard. I, well, I'm going to say it's always hard to, to replace and reprogram your word. So your sarcasm, the cutting things, you may not even intentionally be doing these things. You're having fun. Uh, one time in youth group years and years ago, I, it was this kid in youth group, this girl, and, and we used to like to kind of like mix it up and trash talk each other, you know. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that our, our connectivity was all about that. And so then when I was trying to, uh, you know, place uh, spiritual concepts in our following God concepts, love, that actually became a obstacle. When I, if, she, if she was going to share something in a group and I was going to make fun of her and go, yeah, I got gotcha, then she was going to stop sharing herself. She was going to close up. Our words matter. Choose our words. Make a break from those things. Now watch this. This is a bunch hey, of Rich, maybe your resolution should be to um, gossip less. Well, I don't gossip. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe sometimes I find out things or I hear something and I pass that information on, you know, kind of like a public service. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm a gossip. I mean, would you call Ted Koppel a gossip? <laughs> Probably wouldn't. Who is Ted Koppel? Some of us don't even know. Back in the stone ages. But uh, this idea of, you know, how we are not even aware of gossip. And again, we're going to define it in a few moments, but this idea of being understanding it. In verse 31, another translation says, get rid of all bitterness. When you're bitter, it just kind of overflows. Rage, anger, brawling, fighting, and slander. 
among with every form of malice. And I tell you, as I was preparing for this and reading this, I'm going, man, I, I have so many conversations, and they're so people-centric. When am I crossing the line? When am I saying too much? When should I cut my mask off? When should I spread something? Wow, that, that, is, that is just just heavy thinking when you say, I do not want those descriptions to be my words. The idea of slandering somebody, filling the gap uh, in, in their life, and you slander their character. You affect the way somebody else thinks about that person. And some of those things you forget you said. But another person doesn't forget. And three years later, five years later, when that person's name comes up, they're going to say, yeah, they're blah, 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 blah. Whether it was true or not true, your words stuck the image in that person's mind of another person. You have slandered them. And it doesn't have to be stuff that's not true. You can slander someone's character and be right on, accurate, truthful. But then you mark that person. And hopefully we're all growing. I was talking with someone the other day, and I said, we were joking back and forth, and, you know, and I said, yeah, I, I hope I'm different than I was five years ago. So what I could have been slandered for five years ago, which was accurate truth about Dave Spencer, I hope those things have changed. I hope I'm not that same person. So if I get labeled this, I get slandered this, hopefully as the years go along, and I walk with Christ, and he completes his work in me, some of those things stop becoming a part of my expression of my life. So be very careful. Look, you know, a secret sometimes, you know, as I'm coming alongside someone who's struggling, uh, you know, when we get together as a leadership team, I, I don't share all that with the leadership team. Sometimes I need to, sometimes I, but most of the time I don't because I don't want to tag you with that idea. I don't want them to see you and go, oh, there's the person, blah, 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 blah. I, I don't want to do that. That to me is slandering. Got to be very, very careful how we use our words and we describe people. And then comes the point is, well, then I wouldn't have anything to say. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, you realize most of your conversations are in that area of verse 31. What else is there to talk about? Maybe it's to talk about the good things that are happening. You know, goes on in verse 32, be gentle with one another, sensitive, forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Man, that's a gut shot, isn't it? Because God's forgiven me a lot of stuff. He's on a roll. He's always forgiven me, left and right. Daily, hourly sometimes. Has he forgiven me? Well, I kind of need it. I, I've got stuff, things in my life. You know, I walk with a limp because of this and that. So, you know, that's, that's why. Well, you're entitled to forgiveness and grace and somebody else isn't. Our words describe the value we place on somebody that's been made in the image of God no matter how broken they are in expressing that brokenness. Forgive as Christ forgave you. 
In Proverbs we read, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the innermost parts of our lives, our digestion. They get in there. Sometimes the, the, the subject of the gossip is tasty. We like it. Sometimes we like to one-up. Well, yeah, I heard that about that person, but what about this person? Or we like to fill in the blanks. We like to think we're so wise that we have got such an understanding of that person that we can anticipate why they did what they did. Some of us do have good intuition, but we can get it wrong. And again, that gets labeled to that person, but we kind of like doing we live in a world that's news-oriented, or is it news-oriented? I have a couple of news sources. I'm not going to say who they are in this conversation. I don't want to slander them. But uh, I'm blown away by one of them, and it's not the one you think it is, how much junk is on their news app. And the other news that some of us would lean into and go, that's or lean to against, say, that's bad news, it's shape. They don't have all these little weird links that bring you to look who's lost weight and look how they look in a bikini. That's on the other one. I'm like, what is going on here? Why do they even sell a, a, little, a little line in their app for that if they're so conservative, if they're so family-oriented by their subject? But the media doesn't help us. Facebook doesn't help us. Watch this next clip. Hey, everybody. Rachel was so good today. She didn't gossip at all. I didn't, even when I found out, uh, all right, well, let's just say I found out something about someone, and let's... She's changing. I like what Joel Stoll says about gossip. He says this, gossip is sharing damaging information about someone or something with another person who is not part of the solution. This information may be true or untrue or not complete, and we damage that other person. That is gossip. So just because something's true doesn't mean it needs to be shared. It doesn't mean you're not gossiping. Well, that's true. If it's damaging to the reputation of that person, beware. Beware. And if it's not complete, how many times have you been in a situation where someone that you even get engaged in and get your, your heart all riled up and all of a sudden you discover there was another piece of information which minimizes what was earlier said? Incomplete information. Sometimes you didn't lie. You didn't, it just was not, uh, not complete. And often, believe it or not, people only give you half of the story because the other half would make the first half of the story not as... Uh, potent because there's this other piece well there's this piece and then it minimizes a little bit down so again true untrue or not complete brendan manning says this as in his song choose truth says this in every encounter whether we either give life or we drain it there is no neutral exchange do your words energize someone or do they suck the energy and joy out of it? Ultimately, it's their responsibility how they respond. But if we're Christ followers, we're supposed to make it easier for other people. 
supposed to make it easier for them to follow Christ. If they're not a Christian, we're supposed to make it easier for them to go, aha, and, and, and go, I want what that person has. What do they have? Oh, they have a faith in a God that's personal. Oh, I, I, I wonder if that would have anything for me. Therefore, there is no neutral exchange. So some of the reasons we gossip. Watch this. Do you know something? Do you know something? <laughs> I might know something. I might know something, too. What's the thing you know? Oh, no, I can't tell you. It's just something you know. Well, I can't tell you what I know. Well, then I can't tell you what I know. Okay, fine. <laughs> you don't know. Why do we gossip? Makes me feel important. We have some inside information. We have power. We have control. I know something you don't know. Often it makes us feel better about ourselves because we're not as bad as they are. Look at that. Lifts me up. Entertaining. It's fun. It's fun to get the latest scoop. That's why a lot of these... Uh, you know, news shows that are supposed to be news shows, these uh, interview things, we want to get the inner scoop. We want to know, like People Magazine, did you know? And, you know, we're watch, scrolling through Facebook, and all of a sudden it says, did you know about this person and this person? And uh, worst divorce settlement, lots of most money. Oh, let's find out about that. And, I mean, it's just kind of entertaining, but it's at someone else's expense. And another amazing Jesus principle for followers is we're not supposed to do anything at somebody else's expense. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus always gave his life away. Nothing at somebody else's expense. We shouldn't be entertained by the uh, tantalizing you know, information on somebody so what are some of the results of gossip? Got a lot down here. You know, it can, it can be tough as we think about results of gossip. I remember my sophomore year of college, the first time I was uh, innocently sucked into some gossip. And it was true, but it was heartbreaking. I was friends with the RA, and uh, the RA told me something he should never have told me about another student on the dorm floor. And I was at a school where most of the people were trained to be Bible, uh, uh, you know, pastors and such like this. And this guy was trained to be a pastor. And uh, his girlfriend was expecting. And he was the father. And so I'm in the prayer room doing what I should do, just praying in general. And he comes in, and, and uh, I know this secret about him that I shouldn't know. And uh, he sits down and prays and looks very disturbed. And I said, you know, I, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm praying for you. He stood up, and he goes, you know, and he stormed out. I should never have known that. Never known that. He had to leave school, ended up getting married, ended up moving on with their life and, and built a good life together. There's, there's always everybody's redeemable, but uh, I should never have known that. Oh, but did I feel horrible. How, how did I give that piece of truth away that I should not have known? The RA... My friend should never have told me that. 
by the way, this is a bonus in here. When, when, when someone entrusts you with information, when someone says to you, I want to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody about it, I would strongly encourage you to always say, you've got to trust me to do the right thing if that's what's going to happen. And if they say, well, does that mean you better not tell anyone? I, I can't make that promise. Well, I'm not going to tell you. And go, yippee, I'm not going to know some crazy thing. I love that. I love that when someone comes in and goes, I, I, you, you, you've got to trust me to do this or it's going to be what's right. What if someone was talking about hurting themselves? You know, there's just lots of multitude of reasons why you may not want to keep it confidential. And, and as you grow and as you get to be known, people start to realize, yeah, that person can be trusted because they do do the right thing with the information. And again, it lets you off the hook if all of a sudden you need to do something with that information. You may just need to call another person, not give any names, and just try to figure out what's the next step. And sometimes in those situations, that gets out, but you were doing the right thing. You had to figure out what the next steps were. I remember having a, a guy, a youth group kid, not, it was actually a youth group leader, this was way back 25 years ago, and he was upset about things, and I couldn't get a hold of him, couldn't get a hold of him, and he was a good 20-minute ride away, and he had talked about hurting himself. So I called the police. He said, could you do a welfare check on this guy? Oh, was he upset with me? I said, hey, you told me the guy was out of care. I didn't like doing that. I go, you, you were so distraught, I couldn't get a hold of you, and, and I, I just didn't know. Don't do that all the time, but I, I, I had to do that. So, so entrusted to do the right thing with the information, and then again, you, you, you're free to, to share what needs to be shared. Especially when I was working with high school kids, uh, you know, they would tell you all this stuff, and I, I can't keep that a secret. A 16 year old can't, you know, I know this about it. And then when it blows up, say to their parents, "Oh yeah, I knew about that." What you knew, you know, I mean, that's breaking trust with them too. So, you know, you're up front on the front end. Now, you, everyone's thinking, "Oh, here it goes something." with able to kind of stuff but again doing the right thing there so because your words follow you and you follow your words so let that sink in again your words follow you you leave a wake of your words but then all of a sudden you start traveling in a way you create a rut and they follow you and all of a sudden you find you are in the rut so you need to be very careful about this. Many of you have heard the story about uh, the guy who was spreading gossip around. He felt bad about it. It was untrue in his gossip setting. He went to the local pastor and said, uh, hey, I've done this. What should I do about it? I want to make it right. Uh, it says, go take a pillow, open it up, and put a feather on every doorstep of every person you shared something with that you shouldn't have, and kind of where you think this gossip went. He went and did that, came back, and then the, the pastor said, go pick up all the feathers. That's like, that's impossible. I can't pick up all the feathers. Well, that's what happens when you share gossip. True, untrue, half-truths. Also, there's the crush of betrayal. We're going to go through these very quickly. All of us have felt the pain. The verse talks about a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Again, doing the right thing with the information, but this idea of just being crushed. All of us have had those situations where we 
told someone and they, they were gossiping with what we told them. Also, uh, watching out that uh, gossip fuels strife. It's the fuel of strife. It just It's like pouring gasoline on a fire. It takes, a, takes, a fu- takes fuel to have a fire. A fire dies down when you run out of fuel, so quarrels disappear when the gossip ends. Add fuel to the fire and the blaze goes on. So add an argumentative person to the mix and you keep strife alive. And it just wears you down. Don't want to be the fuel for fire. Also separates friends. It's the separation of friends. A whisper separates close friends. Remember being in college. This is the first time I'd ever had this happen. Uh, my buddy and I, best friends, good friends since five years old. Now we go off to college together, and we meet this other guy, and uh, he's a part of the mix. We're now the three musketeers. But this other guy could not handle the fact that Dave and I were close friends closer friends than he would ever be with the you two of us. And he started to do stuff like to mix up our relationship. I can't remember what he did, but I, I remember we had a, a conversation with him. He was jealous. If we went off and did something he didn't include, we tried to include him, but it couldn't be. I mean, Dave and I don't since we were five years old. It was a different kind of relationship. And uh, I couldn't believe the way he just caused, tried to, in a sense, break our friendship up. And gossip can do that, and we need to be careful of that. It has an impact on ourselves, on you. It impacts your reputation. Don't portray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip, and you will never regain your good reputation. Hard to regain your good reputation once you've lost it. Jumping to the next one, in your relationships. Obviously, your relationships with other people but also in your relationship with God. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Jump down to verse 19. A false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. The lie one, we get that. Are you a disagreeable person? You stir up conflict in your community. I mean, that doesn't mean being a yes person, but it means not being a disagreeable person. It affects our relationship with God. God is not happy when we are not dispensing peace in the wake of our lives, but destruction. Got to really guard our words. Be aware of that. But we can transform gossip into healthy conversation. We can start going in a different direction. Just like when uh, you decide if this was a reel, this was a deal for me. My language was way too colorful in junior high, and I had to change it. And it was hard to change it. And even today, I've told you before, if I get mad enough, those words at least come to my mind. Hopefully they don't come out. I remember being on a canoe trip. It's now a Sears and Phillips another canoe trip. But we were portaging, and I was so tired, so exhausted, so fried, that I was a little nervous that if I twisted my ankle, I might say a swear in front of all the individuals. Because I kept saying, oh, Dave, you fall. Don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. Because I knew it was still in me. But you can, you can change 
never use the comment, you should have seen me before, because I'm so much better than men as an excuse to stop growing. You know, I used to do this. Now I only do this. Oh, I guess that's okay. That's great. You know, I, you know, no, that doesn't. It's still in process. Our language, our choice of words, we can go from a discourager to becoming encourager. And again, that's not flattery, sugary language. It's, it's honest to goodness encouragement. Watch this. Oh, dude, but you just have to promise me you cannot tell anyone. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to know. Yes, you do want to know. This is unbelievable. No, I don't care, Rach. Look, I am tired of being the guy who knows all the secrets and can't tell anyone. What, what secrets? You know secrets? What are they? And you're not supposed to be gossiping. No, I know. I just can't keep this one in. So I pick up the phone. Ah! I walk around in the commons after church, and I hear someone going, ah! I know what's going on, so... Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? I already talked about saying only what hurts. That takeaway in itself is, might need a lot of energy and focus in here today. Our words are a gift. And then when we get into this thing, have I talked to that person first? Have I talked to them first? Have I have a piece of information, and I know it, I've observed it, I've heard it, and there needs to be a follow-up conversation. We read, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you have made a friend. He's going to say, if, if the person doesn't listen to you, maybe the friendship isn't as strong as you thought it was. It was a false friendship because you couldn't actually have the hard conversation. Talk to them first. That's how it works. And it doesn't give you a license. I've talked to them. Now I can talk to everybody else because they didn't respond. Those aren't helpful words. That's slanderous even when it is true. Now I have to say this. We also do this study on our own because we don't have time for this. But sometimes Matthew 18 is misused. Like I've been in staff positions uh, back in concrete. You know, we had a Christian school uh, with, with staff on in the church. I don't know, there was like 30 or 40 employees. And uh, sometimes I had to deal with things. And it wasn't, people go, this isn't the way you do it in Matthew 18. Why isn't that person coming? Well, this is different. This is like work. I'm the boss. Uh, th this is a different scenario. So, so it's not just personal between, there's a problem here in the, in the church, in the school, and, and I have to walk through this. I have to address this. I can't just sweep it under the uh, rug, and, and I have the leadership responsibility to speak into this. That other person doesn't have it. So I can't apply Matthew 18 to this. So be very careful. I've met some people that, you know, just yank it out for everything. This, at the bare bones, is relational in between people that have a, have a connection. And you go to them first. We also have to ask ourselves, what is going on in my heart? Ponder this. But what comes out of the mouth gets its start in the heart. Ooh, I can't believe I said that. Boy, how did that even get in my life? Did someone like go around and 
drop a word in your mouth, a phrase in your mouth, a concept in your mouth, and, and you're like oblivious to it, and all of a sudden you open it, it pops out. No, it came from your heart. Sometimes we say those things and we try to laugh it off like I was being sarcastic. Sometimes that may be true, but often it's because we really have some beliefs in that concept. We really do think about that person like that. And so what is going on in my heart? What do I need to change about that? Am I making a private matter public? Like I said earlier on, when someone says, i got to tell you something and I, you can't tell anyone else, and I say, well, you've got to trust me to give you all the information, and then the person almost anticipates me chucking that value, chucking that concept, and they say, well, then I won't tell you. It's like, oh, oh, I guess I, I won't do that. No, then you just won't tell me, and that's the end of it. That's where you feel like you ought to come from. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Again, if we tend, you're going to say, well, Jay, you just said trust me. Uh, you know, most of us should not be sharing things. There are times where you've got to go a little farther with that. But the idea of keeping a confidence, what are you known as? People come to you and trust you with stuff because they know you're going to do the right thing with the information. Am I enabling others to gossip? Wrongdoers eagerly, eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close attention to the slander. Do you shut it down or do you pull more out? Well, what else do you know? What else is going on? Or do you shut it down tactfully? Best thing I do, I learned this from my dad, is to say something positive about the person. Usually you can come up with something positive about the person. I had a uh, business manager that uh, was so tight with money, you may remember called this, and people would just be on her case all the time. And I would say, you know what's great about her? What? If she didn't do that, we wouldn't have any money. We wouldn't get paid. The fact that she sticks to the budget and sticks to all these things means that when Friday comes around or whatever day and we get paid, there's money for our check. If she did all the things you want her to do in all the situations of everyone knocking on her door, there wouldn't be any money to get paid. Amazing how people all of a sudden go, oh, I don't have a foothold to, to down talk this person. I'm not going to do that in front of you. And, and, you know, again, even when it's true, shut it down nicely. Don't enable gossip. Another thing we should think often, is this what I would want done to me? Is this what I would want done to me? I tell you, you know, we've gone through a bunch of situations at the church, a number of them, some of you are aware of them. In one of the correspondence I sent out, uh, probably eight weeks ago, nine weeks ago, I said, if you have any questions, come to me or one of the leadership team members, and we'll try to answer it. We may not be able to answer it, but we'll try to answer it. And it amazes me how often I hear questions that never came to me or the leadership team. And then sometimes when I talk with folks who've been mulling over these concepts, whatever they may be, I'll say, well, so does that sound like me? They go, no, it doesn't. And I go, maybe it wasn't me. Maybe I didn't do it that way. 
Oh, I never thought of that. Why? No. Please give people the benefit of the doubt. If you go through 1 Corinthians 13, those first eight verses, you hear it a lot of weddings, it talks about love, and love gives people the benefit of the doubt. And that doesn't mean you ignore truth. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, any of that. But it means if you haven't seen a behavior in somebody before, and now they're saying that this is their behavior, and it doesn't line up, and that upsets you, what should ought to upset is go to the person. Wouldn't you want me to do that to you? Wouldn't you? I think you would. You think you'd want me to knock on your door and say, hey, this is going around. It sounds crazy. I don't think it sounds like you, but I just, can you clarify that? Oh, well, thank you. Not, you wouldn't want me just to go, oh, I believe that. Now I own that. Now I think that way about you. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy. Here is a simple rule of thumb. Guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you and grab the initiative and do it for them. It's not those senseless words. That's not some business guru's words. Those are Jesus' words. Bottom line, our words matter to others, to God, and they ought to matter to building somebody up, but building God up. Slanderers are gossipers, even when they're, do you know this about this person? And it's absolutely true. Don't do that. And this, this next little verse, in a sense, I, it's not shocking to my, me to my core, it's probably too strong of an expression, but it, it really spoke to my heart and, and made me ask tough questions. People will give an account for every careless word they speak. Yikes. Because my job is in words. Careless words. I'm going to have to answer for those. So our words matter to others, to God, and they ought to matter to Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word for us. We thank you that you speak into our lives and you give us concepts to integrate so we can live lives that demonstrate we follow you. And if there's someone here this morning that has never said yes to you, we ask that the idea of owning these kind of values, the idea of having you join their life would be so attractive to them that they would say yes to you even in this moment. They would acknowledge their need for a Savior, for God to be a part of their lives, for forgiveness of their sins, and acknowledge that it's so fantastic that you're alive, that you were raised from the dead, and you promised that to us. So I pray that they'd say yes to you even in this moment. And for those of us who have already said yes, help us to watch our words. May we be a people that do not careless words. And I pray that for myself. Thank you. I ask all of this in your wonderful name. Amen. Thank you for being here with us today.